So the title of this sermon today is uh, Anchored in Eternity. Um, see, uh, we have been uh, studying in our Sunday school different uh, worldviews, uh, including the Christian worldviews. Um, and I've been um, preaching a series on uh, various kind of worldviews, okay? Um, because we are living in a conflict, and the conflict is that different worldviews, different philosophies, different ideas, different isms are battling for our mind. So this is really, it's not a conventional battle that, I mean, there will be casualties physically. And this is the battle for the mind. And um, there will be casualties like in terms of uh, spiritually speaking. Um, so I've, we've mentioned a few, humanism, existentialism, um, positivism, hedonism, pluralism, relativism, okay? So um, um, we're gonna, uh, in the future sense, we're gonna go into details of these guys. And you might ask like, why does Scott want to do this? I mean, this is a, it's not a philosophy class. I mean, why do you want to do this? Um, you see that? Um, I view this really as, um, I really literally view this battle as something like this. I mean, there, there, how many people are there in the world? Seven billion, right? About, yeah. Uh, you see, you can think the seven billion people was being divided into different divisions, okay? Different armies, okay? And um, each group is led, is headed by a worldview. That's a worldview is the general of the division, okay? For example, like Islam is a division, and Christianity is a division, atheism is a division, Relativism, you know, just, just everybody's right. That's another division. So you see that, I mean, this is really what's happening, not in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm. I mean, there are huge, giant divisions of human beings led by these different worldviews, and they are battling against each other. So, you guys are in the Christian camp, okay? And you know what? There are other divisions, and they, they will attack you, trying to capture you, trying to like uh, take you captive, and then bring you over to the other camp. Um, and that's why that is so crucial for us to know what we believe, and know what the other people believe, and to be able to tell the difference, to be able to tell like who is right, who is wrong. And um, do you guys remember there's a really famous like uh, Chinese um, military strategist like, uh, I don't know, like 500 BC? Have you guys heard of a man like that? I mean, like nowadays, every business school in, in, uh, in America, they will study his writing um, about, um, you know, 2,000 years ago. Um, and he, his name is like, in Chinese, Sun Tzu. It's probably translated 
Sun Tzu. And he said something like really illuminating. He said that if you know the enemy, if you know the enemy, if you also know yourself, then you need not to fear the result of a hundred battles. It means that if you really know your enemy, you really know yourself, then you are not going to be afraid if you have to fight the enemy a hundred times. If you know yourself, but you don't know the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. Because you don't even know where the enemy is attacking you, right? If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Um, um, so, Apostle Paul in uh, in the in book of Ephesians, Colossians warned us that do not be taken captive by the philosophies of the world, which is not rooted in Jesus Christ, which is not from God. So that's the warning from the Bible: do not be taken captive by the rivaling divisions, by those philosophies and worldviews trying to battle their mind. Um, so among all these different worldviews, you see the, this, this alternative worldviews, there's a common denominator. All these guys, they have a common denominator. Secularism. Okay. Um, secularism. Um, in, um, in the sermon I preached you last time, um, I was um, telling you guys about really what is this common denominator. Um, so the word secular, okay, is secular plus ism. What does ism mean? Ism means like elevating a concept to the absolute level, okay? Like secular is a completely fine word. Secular means uh, the lifespan. It means the lifespan of our life. That's, that's, that's what secular, secular means. It means like now, in this life. I mean, there's nothing wrong with uh, this life. There's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, we should eat healthy and take good care of our bodies so we have a healthy body in this life. There's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, we should uh, study hard. Actually, we should study hard, isn't it? And to uh, maximize uh, the talent God has put within us, to really use the talent, to really use the talent for the highest good of God, you know, for the good of men around us. So, when we elevate secular, this life, to ism level, then that's different. It means that, it means that all that matters is what's the impact in this life. Beyond this life, there's no eternal life. So everything about this life has to be measured according to the impact of our action in this life alone. So I would say, secularism means here and now is There's no eternity. Okay? So my life is bounded totally by how many years I live on earth. Perhaps I'll leave a legacy, you know, leave some money to my offsprings. If I write a book, you know, maybe people still read about me, uh, future generations. But beyond that, my life really ends 
when my breath stops. So I call it here and now ism. So all these different isms has a common denominator, separateness. This life is about here and now. And this is totally in contradictory of the biblical Christianity. Because, you know, when we talk about Christianity, we talk about the transcendent God. It's not just here. It's the God is transcendent. He is above and beyond here. He is actually overarching over here, and he is controlling, he is like managing, controlling, and judging. Now, here, I'm sorry, here, okay? So, Christianity is about it. There's a transcendent God far beyond here. And Christianity is about a God who was, who is, who is to come. Christianity is about an eternal God. You see how directly the Sahuism contradicts biblical Christianity. So, biblical Christianity says that we've got to invest long term, even into eternity. If, if the investment of our life is only here and now, we have failed. We totally fail the purpose God has created us for. So, in order to really grasp into Christianity, we really have to what penetrate to this finite to eternity. If there's a veil, there's a wall here that's like bounds my earthly life. My earthly life defined by the moment I was born, the moment I die. Imagine this is a big wall just bounding my earthly life. You know, to really get into the get into Christianity, I would have to punch a hole through this wall. Really anchor my life in eternity. Then I can live my current life the way God made me to be. Okay. Um, last time I was using um, Lazarus and the rich man to illustrate to you guys that uh, you know whether we realize it or not, everything we do that we do right now has an eternal consequence. So right now counts forever. That's what God has revealed to us through His Holy Scripture. Right now counts forever. Secularism says that right now counts only right now. But if I can scream around, I will say to everybody, no, right now counts forever. Because there's a forever transcendent eternal God. And He has made us to be also eternal. And He will judges, hold us accountable, even in eternity, for what we have done right now, here. So, um, I can't really, I can't tell you enough that uh, you know, you are a spirit temporarily living in your body. You are an eternal spirit. You will be forever. You are an eternal spirit temporarily living here 
Just let this truth sink into your mind, into your heart, into your will. And hold on to eternity. That's why I titled this sermon Anchored in Eternity. Because if we if our soul is not anchored in infinity, guess what's gonna happen? We're gonna be drifting here and there like a boat without an anchor. When everybody panics around us, we will also panic. When everybody's despaired, we also despair. When everybody does, you know, their own things, we'll be doing the same thing. We'll be driven back and forth by the waves. And when we have to face God in eternity, what? We will have to spend eternity in hell under the torment and wrath of God. Because we have been living our entire life with unbelief, rebellion, ingratitude to this supreme being was given us everything. So, anchored in eternity. And today, I'm going to illustrate to you um, the concept of eternity through um, what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, let's read uh, this verse one more time, okay? Um, look up. Okay. Look up, let's read it together. Matthew 6, 19-21 Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasures, there your heart will also. So here, Jesus is really talking about Investing. How do we invest our life? Okay. Um, so there are two two kind of investment we can do. Either we invest for treasures on earth, or we invest for treasures in heaven. And the first type of investment, according to Jesus, what does it hold value? No. The first type of investment doesn't hold value because Jesus says that uh, the moth will eat up, okay? the rust will destroy, the thieves will break in and steal. Um, I had a really nice suit, uh, okay? My wife bought me, you know, when, just when we, after we got married. And I had not worn it for a number of years. And then I was taking it out one day and behold, you know what? There are holes. I mean, this suit only is like five hundred dollars. I mean, it's it's not a cheap one, okay? Yeah. And there are holes, you know, uh, and, and back, you know. Yeah. There are holes on the pants, and I can't, you know, I just can't wear them anymore. So my wife uh, bought me another set. So you see the wrath? They really eat up uh, expensive clothes, right? Yeah. And what about rust? And um, rust destroys the metal. Think about like you think like metal, the precious metals. I mean, they are really precious. They will hold up value. 
But really, I mean, the rust will destroy the metals. And Jesus even mentioned that thieves will break in and steal. So basically, Jesus is making the point that the treasures, the earthly treasures, okay, they don't hold value. And in contrast, Jesus says that the heavenly value, the, the treasures in heaven, okay, they will hold their value. Um, do you know, like, anybody know what's the gold price right now? The gold price. Every ounce of gold is like $1,300 around, okay? I mean, just a tiny bit of gold, like, you, if, you, if you buy them, it will, like, cost you $1,300. Um, do you know, like, the money we have, they are fiat money. I mean, they, they are like paper money, right? They don't really have an intrinsic value. It's like the U.S. government assigned a notion of, uh, of um, wealth, uh, of uh, value on this piece of paper. And, you know, when, when there's a financial crisis, when, there's, when the economy doesn't do well, when there's a banking crisis, you know what, do? You know what does the gold price do? No, it's, what does the gold price do in a, in a crisis? Huh? Sorry, I don't know. Okay, you're not a math guy, okay? Uh, who is a good math guy? You're a music guy, okay? <laughs> like, like, my wife is really bad at math. My, my wife, really, I mean, he, <laughs> she's like really bad. Like, she, she's never understood those math formulas. I'm sure I'm better than my wife. But my wife is really, really good at writing. Yeah. So, uh, those people who are into math, you know, whenever the, you know, the paper money is shaking, when, whenever people don't trust the paper money, they don't trust the U.S. government. Let's say U.S. debt is gonna like, and national debt, you know, is huge. One day U.S. government is gonna go default. When they go default, this paper money is worth nothing, you know. So whenever there's a crisis, the gold price goes up. If you just go back on Google, the gold price, okay, you can see there's a curve. And all those spikes corresponding to what? When there's a crisis, when people don't believe the government, okay. Um, so, uh, the analogy I gave is that the earthly treasures that, that the heathens, means the non-believers, they go after. According to what Jesus said, they're like paper money, okay? And they don't hold value. When there's a crisis, they're going to lose value. Do you see like some countries, they have to reset their currency? Like, I don't know, like, uh, if you check Argentina, Argentina has defaulted on their, you know, like, I mean, it's like every, I don't know, every 10 years or so, they're going to have a national crisis. They had to reset their currency because, I mean, they were so much in debt, uh, they couldn't honor the payment. They couldn't honor the kind of value they, they, they assigned to their currency. And, um, um, I mean, rather than speaking, the U.S. dollar is pretty, I mean, it's, it's rather the most stable currency in the world. Um, that's why, the, let's say, Zimbabwe, I mean, is a tiny country in, in Africa. I mean, do you know what? Like, the inflation is like so huge. It's that uh, like one billion of their own currency is worth probably one dollar. I mean, think about those people. I mean, when the, when when you know when the crisis happens, they will have to buy a piece of bread. They will have to carry I don't know a wagon of I don't know like paper money. And sometimes when the hyperinflation really strikes the economy, I mean, the money will depreciate. Um, like. In the morning, you, you think your money is worth this much, but in the night, it's no longer that valid because there's hyperinflation going on. I mean, you can dip, it's $1 will become like, 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 like what, 10 cents in the night. Um, so this is really what happens I mean, in the world economy. And what Jesus says here is that 
these earthly treasures, okay, they don't hold value. In eternity, they don't hold any value. Okay? Um, so, let's think about it. What is Jesus talking about, the earthly treasures? Okay, Jesus says, those are the things the heathens go after. Then heavenly churches are Christians, God's people go after. Um, so, let's think about prosperity, okay? Um, Why well, isn't it like the heathens, they go after prosperity, right? Success. Um, well, I, I, um, but, you know, what does uh, God demand from his children? Holiness. I think that can properly classify these two different treasures, okay? Success in the world and success in God's eyes. Success in the world is, is there's a standard, right? I'm, I'm going to just use, uh, uh, use the word success, okay? Then, then um, um, holiness is, is what God really thinks is important. It's God thinks we should have. Um, you see that Christians are often confused because success and holiness, they have big overlap. Think of those, those guys, I'm a math guy, I have to use like math concept, I'm sorry. Well, it's okay. Uh, so draw a circle, this is success. Okay? Draw another circle, is holiness. I'm saying that these two have a drawing set which is pretty big. Well, let me tell you what I mean, okay? Let's say that I'm a student, okay? I'm a high school student. I mean, I, I'm applying for college, you know, in a few months. Let's say that I'm a holy student. It means that holy means like, I hate sin, okay? And if there's a sin in my life, I'm gonna try as hard as I can to get rid of this sin, right? If there's a virtue, God wants, if there's righteousness, God desires, I'm gonna try, work as hard as I can so that I can develop this righteousness. You know, God values what? Diligence, right? Diligent. God wants us to be diligent. God doesn't want us to what? To sit around and fool around and do nothing, right? You know, God wants us to have self-control, isn't it? And the scripture says that uh, a man with no self-control is like a city without a city wall. The, what, the enemy can just drive right in. Okay. Let's say that I'm a holy student. And I, you know, I pray, I try as hard as I can, and with God's help, I can root out my laziness. I can root out my lack of self-control. And do you think my grace is going to be bad? I don't think so. Unless God has given me a low IQ. There's a possibility, right? Like, like, like something like, like my wife, like, no matter how hard she works on, I mean, her math just might not be good. Because I mean, she wasn't talented. But, you know what? If my wife was lazy, okay, you know what? She has sin. If my wife, if my wife works hard on math, even though she gets bad grades, has she, has she sinned? So she would be what? Not a success, but she's holy. You get? Okay? Um, so what I'm saying is that being holy and being, su- being successful, they have a big overlap, isn't it? But they're different. 
Let's give you another example. Um, let's imagine that um, one day you guys uh, graduate from college, I mean, then you become a, not only you become a, a composer or something like that, like, a, you know, playing an orchestra or something. Like some of you, I know, want to be doctors, I know a few of you want to be, maybe, like Leon wants to be a doctor, yeah. And some of you might be a computer scientist, like, what do you want to be? So, Engineer? Okay, yeah. All right, yeah. Let's say that you have a job, okay? Yeah. Let's say you are a holy, holy employee, employee okay? It means that, I mean, you, you deal, with, deal with your, with your covetousness. Like, you don't, you don't fight with people. I mean, you, like, like, you're content with what God has given you. I mean, you don't do, do this politics. You, you know that, I mean, offices. There are always politics. I mean, there are people there. They don't do the work, but they want to get the credit. You know what I mean? Like, um, let's say that you're not that type, okay? I mean, you are, you, you, you really, I mean, because that, that's sin, you know, like, like we can't, you know, just, just you know, um, take other people's sweet house, right? Yeah. Let's say that, I mean, you are really content, okay? And, and you work your best because, I mean, God requires us to, to work hard even when our boss is not looking at us. Okay, uh, don't just work. Don't just work hard. You know, when the boss is you know watching over our shoulder, it's like when our boss is not watching us. Well, stupid, right? Yeah. Let's say that you're that type of employee. Do you think your boss will not recognize your, you know, and you're a good employee. You're better than others. I think he would. I think he would make sure that he pay well. Right. So you see that there's a big overlap between holiness and success, but those two things are different. You see that uh, our senior pastor, he was, he was trying to be holy. He was holy before God, but the government locks him up, okay? Because, uh, I mean, he was persecuted. Like, in fact, they would tell him that if you deny your faith, we will give you a job. You can go back and live with your wife and with your, with, with your son. But you know what? Uh, this is not negotiable. Our senior pastor, he would rather spend time in the, you know in, in labor camp in jail, but he would not deny his faith. So do you see that holiness and success? They have they have a lot of commonality, but they are two different things. Okay, and um, and Jesus says that if we go after success. It does not hold back. If we go out to holiness, it'll hold value forever. That's why in the song, Holy, 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 we sing it out. Those saints, they are casting their golden crown before the gods they see, before the, the Father's throne, right? Yeah. So what does golden crown represent? It represents their holiness. You see, as a Christian, we are really tremendously being blessed by God. You know, we have no holiness within us. Has any of you, you know, coming out of your, your mother's womb, I mean, crying out hallelujah? You know what does that? You're crying, you, I mean, you, you're born as a crying baby, you know, like, you would, uh, you, that, that's what they say. Do, do you know, like, why God made, uh, made babies so small? They're like so tiny, I mean, so that the baby would not kill the parents. 
Huh? I was, I remember I was disciplined Esther. When she was really little, I mean, um, I guess she, she was kind of angry at me. And that night I was like brushing her teeth and using a little tube on my, you know, on my finger to, you know, so I was, she was biting me. <laughs> I was like, I've been beaten, you know. And I, it was so painful. Um, do you know why God made babies so cute? So that you would not kill them. Don't think like, you know, we have any righteousness the moment we were born. We were like sinners. We were ignorant of God. We were obedient to God. We were disobedient to God. We would do anything but what to be holy. So that's why most people in the world they are driven by a desire to be successful. Unless God has taken hold of you. Okay? Unless God has convicted that you are made for eternity, you are made for holiness. Unless you see the preciousness of the blood of Jesus, that only Jesus can cover your sin. Unless you repent and hold on to Jesus Christ by faith, you are not going to live for holiness. You are just going to live for the success. So I would say, I mean, boys and girls, you have been tremendously blessed by God because you know just being successful is not going to take you to heaven. It's not. You have a desire to be holy. And that I would say, that's the sign that you are chosen by God. You are under God's favor. You are under God's blessing. And so here, let's look at 21, verse 21, okay? Um, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying that you can't invest. You, you can't invest both in heaven and on earth. You know, you can't do that because if 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 your heart is if you if your heart is in heaven, okay. If you really value heavenly treasure, if you can't invest on earth, that's what Jesus says, right? And you can't have the best of both world, okay. Um, I'm not saying that they are not successful men on earth who are also godly. There's a lot. Thank God there are still a lot of successful people in the world and they are holy. Okay? There are kings, godly kings God has raised up in history. I mean, they are godly kings. They are godly kings, okay? Yeah. I'm saying that if a person is occupied with success, cannot also be occupied with holiness. These are just two different directions, although they have many overlaps. Okay? Uh, we can only choose one. We cannot have both. Either we enjoy sinful pleasure, or we enjoy the pleasure from holiness. 
that's a clear division, right? Yeah. Um, okay, I will look up. Girls, can you read uh, Matthew 6, 24? So here, Jesus is giving us a stone warning. Really, Christians cannot have one feet, one foot in the world, one foot in heaven. In Chinese, it's like Jiao I'm sorry, it's in Chinese. It's really it's a Chinese proverb saying that if you have one foot in one boat, the other foot in the other boat, you're gonna do a split, <laughs> right? Yeah. Man, you're gonna be split. It. So it's it's just, it's impossible. Okay, yeah. Um, so there's nothing wrong with money. Here, Jesus is using money as a love of money, rather than the love of God. Okay. And money is important. I mean, the Bible talks a lot about money. Okay. And and God wants us to be what? To master money rather than let money master us, isn't it? You know, if we realize our master is God, this money is not our money. We can manage the money really well for God. And that's true financial freedom. What does the heathens tell us? We need enough money in order to be financially free. That's not true from God's perspective. God's perspective is what? If we know this is not my money, this is God's money, I need to use the money to do what God wants me to do. Then we have financial freedom. So we cannot serve two masters. Either we serve God or we serve money. Either we go after holiness or we go after success. Okay. Um, Oops. My missing. Okay. Um, boys, can you read uh, verse 25? Wherefore I tell you, do not be anxious by the life, but you will eat, or what you will drink, nor are 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 you Four of you are gonna go to college next year. Uh, wow, Lawrence, Sanyu, and uh, Nathan, Neil, who's not here. And um, I want to ask a question. I mean, are you guys what are you guys worried about? I mean, it's very natural for seniors to really worry about. Am I gonna be able to get to the college I deserve? Right? I mean, right? Is that right? Um, I was talking to Jack. Anybody know Jack, the big guy? Yeah. And, and he, yeah, he, he's in same year, and, but he has a good friend, in, um, his good friend, he's from Miller Place, okay, that they're in the school district down here, yeah. and his, his good friend is really good at, you know, math and stuff like that, and he did really well, like in, in SAT stuff, but he did not have the extra curriculum 
things. I mean, he didn't play piano. I mean, she didn't run tracking team. He didn't, you know, he didn't have those things. Okay, yeah. so he got into Stony Brook, and Jack thinks that he at least deserves CMU, just as Jack himself. Who was he? Sorry. Huh? Stony Brook. Stony Brook is not bad. Huh? Jack is never. Uh, Carnegie Mellon. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um. You're so. Sir, I'm in the back now. Nah. So, so, so Jack is telling me that, he, I mean, he, his friend is really depressed. I mean, he, um, he thinks he deserves more, you know, like, he thinks he deserves, I mean, Ivy Leagues and stuff like that. I mean, Sammy is really good, right? Yeah. Um, but he ended up at uh, Stony Brook. I'm not saying Stony is bad, okay, but I mean, he thinks he's unfairly treated. And I've spoken to some of you, I mean, um, um, and I know that you guys have, have anxiety with me, like, am I going to be unfairly treated? Am I, am I going to be, be able to land in the school that's right for me? I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it's uh, understandable. Really, it is understandable. Okay, yeah. um, um, so here, Jesus is talking about our, it's, it's kind of like, what, don't be anxious about what we eat. Don't be anxious about what we drink. Don't be anxious about what we're wearing. And Jesus is telling you guys, don't be anxious about what college you end up into. Okay? Because these are sort of uh, people think this is a necessity, right? Yeah. So what is Jesus saying? What should we what should we be worried about? Lawrence, what do you think Jesus wants us to be worried about? Like, are we doing it for the right thing? Like hmm? the right purpose. Okay, yeah. Jesus wants us to be worried about holiness. You get it? You get it? Look up, girls. Don't worry about like if you're pretty or not. Like, I mean, I mean, most of you are pretty. I mean, like not like me. I mean, you know, when I was a teenager, I had a pimple all over me. I I I, I want to hide. Man, I don't want to go out. Like I remember there was. <laughs> There was a summer, there was an entire summer, like I had a big pimple on my nose. I tell you, I hid in my house for a summer, you know, I didn't want to go out. I didn't want the pretty girls see me, you know, like. Um, anyways, Jesus is saying that, don't worry about this kind of things. You should, we should worry about what? Holiness. If there's a sin in my life, that's what I should worry about. Okay, so I was telling Jack that, Jack, you should talk to a friend. You should tell him that he should not worry about this. He should not be depressed by this. Because, like, I mean, he has studied very hard, and he has the talent. And, and I mean, his talent sooner or later will show. I mean, even if he goes to Stony Brook, hey, I came from a village, isn't it? I, but I was good at math. It turns out my, my, my father was an accountant. My grandfather and sells eggs on the street, and he didn't. My grandfather can calculate all these numbers in, 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 in his heart. You see, I was in a small village, but, I mean, uh, uh, but I mean, like, like uh, as far as you know, I'm faithful, right? As far as I'm faithful to develop my talent, it will show, right? Yeah. So um, even if it doesn't show in this life, what it will show in eternity, isn't it? You guys get it? So I was telling Jack that tell your friend, let your friend don't don't worry about it, okay? Yeah. Uh, so you see that here, Jesus is telling us what we should really be anxious about. Don't be anxious about the things the heathens are anxious about. But be anxious about, is there a sin in my life that 
God will hold me accountable. Am I developing enough holiness? Am I going to have a crown of gold one day before God's throne? I can cast my gold crown, my crown of gold before God's throne. So that's what I should worry about. Um, okay, here's the memory verse today, okay? Let's read it together. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So here Jesus is talking about, talking about what Christians we should be concerned about. It's about the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, what is the kingdom of God? Kingdom of God means what? The sovereignty of the king, right? I mean, that's, the kingdom is defined by the boundaries of the sovereignty of the king. Okay? So do you realize that? You belong to God's kingdom. You guys, you, you have, by acknowledging Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you have voluntarily, once for all, you have surrendered everything about you within the sovereignty, within the domain of the heavenly king. Okay? You don't serve the earthly king. Who is the earthly king right now? Satan, right? Isn't it? If we go after success, if we go after success, ignorant of our holiness, our sinfulness, we are really running after what? Satan. We are placing ourselves in Satan's kingdom. But we don't belong there. We have been transferred from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. Okay? Seek after the kingdom of God. I should seek after is my life within the boundary of the sovereignty of God. Righteousness. Righteousness. You see, God is after righteousness. Not crookedness. Not sin, but holiness. Uh, my mother is uh, 80, 83, 84 now. I'm going to see, see her like, on Thursday. I'm going to fly to China on, on, on Thursday. Now. I'm going to spend a few days with her. Uh, and my mother, she has a crooked back. You know? Like, like many, many uh, like old people in, in, in villages, I mean, they have means like like that, okay? It's like really a big curve, okay? Yeah. Um, uh, when, when my mother was like 60 something, we were afraid she was going to go this because I, I had a one end. She was like walking like this, you know, mm-hmm. when she was old. My one my end really loves me, like, like really loves me, like, like I, I really appreciate it. But I mean, you see me like that, it's really, it really pains me just watching her like that. Um, you see that God wants to be righteous. You see, you are saved by faith alone, isn't it? Are we saved because we're righteous? No. We are saved because what? God, I know I'm not righteous, but I put my trust in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that Jesus has transferred all his righteousness into my account. That's called imputed righteousness. It's not a righteousness found within us. It's a righteousness given free by Jesus. Okay? But after we receive the infusion of righteousness from Jesus, we should develop. Christians, a genuine Christian will develop this righteousness. So we are saved by faith alone, which of God. 
But the faith that really saves is never alone. A genuinely saved Christian will work his butt off to gain righteousness. There's a hymn I really love. He says that God, if this sin is still alive within me, if I still live in defiance to the Most High, this sin must die. It's not enough that Christ will die on the cross. I must die. This sin within me must die. Just like Lord says, like the Father, if He can, He would cut the cancer out of His patient. Sin, every sin, under the, under the, under, under, um, under the, um, how do I say? If God is pinpoint to a sin in your life, through your parents, through me, you know, through the church leadership, through your friends, if God is pinpoint to a certain area that of your sin, this is the cry the genuine Christian will have before God. God, this sin must die. I can't let it die, but you are the doctor and you can cut off this sin. And I'm going to cooperate. I'm not going to run off the table. I'm not going to run off the operating table and run away. Because I hate this cancer cell as much as God, you hate my son. That's righteousness. And God, you, I don't have this fear of the work within me. You see that Christianity is that forsaking sin and embracing life, righteousness. You see, there are many things God can answer which don't have the power to do it, isn't it? Don't we know that we have to be what? To concentrate on the things God assigned us to do, right? What parents assigned us to do. But somehow, man, I just can't help. I can't concentrate on this thing. My mind is on Facebook. I mean, I tell you, like, I'm not saying, I mean, you can struggle with this. To be honest with you, I mean, the thoughts, we struggle with the same thing. Okay? I have no time to pray. I know I should pray. I know if I don't face, the, face God, I can't face the world. Right? I know I have to pray, but I, I don't have time to pray because of what? I wasted too much time on this stupid Facebook. You see that? When this God, I just don't have this righteousness within me. You see, there's a, there's a desperation to forsake sin, right? There's also desperation for righteousness to rise up within us. So this hymn goes on. So Lord, it's not enough that you rise from the dead, but you have to give me the power of your Holy Spirit, the power of your voice, so that I can rise up like Christ has risen from the dead. That righteousness shall be able to spring up within me. Not just the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, but I work hard at it. So God is after, for every Christian, God commands holiness. Okay. I'm at the end of my son. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've prepared a lot more, but I'm going to stop here. So, Jesus says one thing. That seek first. First. What does first mean? First, it doesn't mean that I give God, I give, I, 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 every day in the morning, the first thing I, I do is to God. Second thing I can do Facebook. Third thing I can do Twitter. Fourth thing I can do YouTube. It doesn't mean that, okay? It means that God is the number one priority in every aspect of our life. 
You get it? God is number one, God is number two, God is number three. So, every aspect of life, we should give God number one priority. It's not that, God, I give this priority to you, then I'm done with this. I'm free to do others. No. No. We should seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, in every aspect of our life. And in you, I'm sure you are in the sky, you are putting a too high bar before me, I can never reach that. Well, I'm ask you, is Jesus placing, this is the word of Jesus, is Jesus placing a high bar before you, or I'm placing a high bar? Jesus, right? So is Jesus giving us an assignment impossible to accomplish? The secret is seek, 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 seek. God says, seek after my face, you shall live. We have to work hard at it, guys. We have to seek. As I've, I've, talked, to, I've talked to many of you, we have to pray. Do we really want this thing? Let's be real before God. Do you really want this righteousness that Christ is talking about? Do you really want that Christ will order every area of your life under His sovereignty so that your life is not in a mess? Do you really want this? Or you have one foot planted in the pleasure of sin you don't want to go and the other foot planted in the kingdom of God? So you see that this prayer thing really shows what's in our heart. I mean, I, I remember when I was a little kid, one, one of my sisters gave me a, gave me a pen, you know, this pen, pen with ink, I have to like, uh, um, um, have to like draw ink into it, right. and then, then write it. I mean, you guys don't use this kind of pen anymore. And back then, this kind of pen in my village is really expensive. And I, I had this pen, I, I, I put it in my, in my pocket, I was so happy. And then I was playing with those stupid bars, you know, like just flicking those things, like in school. I dropped it, okay? And, and, and in the middle of the night, I was sleeping at home, okay? And I realized, man, what happened to my pen? You gotta stay. Yeah. I know it's expensive. I mean, it cost, uh, I don't know, a few, a few dollars in Chinese, in, in Chinese currency. Back then, I mean, uh, we, people used cents, okay? <laughs> and so I got up in the middle of the night. I knew I might have dropped it. In, in, uh, in school. So in the middle of the night, at 12 o'clock, mm-hmm. I got up in the middle of the night, and my parents were sleeping, right? Like, my, like uh, me, my parents, my two, my sisters were, were sleeping in the same room. Like, this bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I slept with my, with my mom like two hours ten. Okay. Um, and, and then, um, so I, I had to find it. You know why I had to find it? Because I knew this is very precious. It costs a lot of money. And then, while I was away, my dad woke up. <laughs> Whoops, where is my son? <laughs> um, he thought I was sleepwalking, I mean, wandering, wandering into a river, I would be drawn and all that. So he got really nervous, okay? So he got up, okay? And he took a flashlight, he ran, he, and this is not a big place, okay? He, he ran all over, trying to find me. And he didn't know I was in the school, so he couldn't find me. He wakes his, his best friend. Hey, my son's missing. Come on, come on, just help me find him. And, and actually, just I, I, um, 
um, and after I searched the, the, the school ground, I didn't find a pen. I still didn't find it. Um, then I went home. Then, then early in the morning, I went, I went home and, and early in the morning, my father came back. He thought he lost me. Um, guys, I, I say this because I search out the pen because I think the pen is precious. My father sought after me because I was precious to him. My father would not trade anything for me. He would not. What's precious in your heart? Okay? You, we, you see that we know from God's truth, heaven is precious. Holy is precious. But our heart, our will is, there's a gap, isn't it? Our mind knows what is precious. But our heart, our will, falls short of it, isn't it? How do we bridge the gap? We really have to seek. Guys, we have to come before, before God in our prayer closet, really seek after God. God, are you still the same God who worked in the past, who made sinners saints? Are you still the same God who sets people free from sin? Are you still the same God you can still claim that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever? Are you still the same God who brings big revivals to people? You see that? If we are serious about God, that's the type of prayer we're going to have. Perhaps you're in a situation you don't even have the desire to pray. And this is the cry. God, I'm so hungry, but I don't feel the hunger. You see, there are people who are sick. They are so skinny. It's a sickness. I mean, they don't want to eat. I mean, there's a hunger within them, but they have what? They've lost the sensitivity to that hunger. Perhaps you're in my situation. You still can come to God. I don't have this fear of God within me. I really don't have it. But God, please give me this fear of God. I don't have the desire to come to you and pray to you, asking you to do this to me. I don't have this, but God, please give this desire to me. You see that we can come to God at any time. Anybody can come to God, no matter how, how bad we are in terms of holiness. Remember, you're not that bad because you have the holiness of Jesus within you. That's why the Father is hearing your prayer. Not because you're a good person, but because you are saved by Jesus. God looks at you exactly the same way God looks at Jesus. As much as God loves Jesus, He will love you because you belong to Jesus. You get it? You see, when we come to God, really seek after His face. He will. That is fine. Now let's come up and pray. Let's sing Him. I'd rather have Jesus at the center. Be led by 
so that we can punch through the wall of this life. We can anchor our soul in eternity. And knowing that right now counts forever. And here we can touch the transcendent and now can touch eternity. Lord, we thank you that you've given us a promise that if we seek if we seek first after the kingdom of God and the righteousness you will surely give it to us Lord Lord we agree with you whether every sin in our life must die we agree with you that the righteousness of Christ has to live from within us Lord whatever it takes Lord make us a man of your word a woman of your word, 
and make us a man on our knees, a man of prayer, a woman on our knees, a woman of prayer. Because you promise, if we seek after you with all our heart, if we seek after your face, we shall live. We shall no longer be crooked, but we shall be righteous. We shall live out the righteousness that Christ has deposited within us. May one day, before the throne of God, we would worship you by casting down our crowns of gold before your feet. That's the biggest worship of our life. Lord, we in particular would pray for the four seniors among us. And we face all these pressures just to be like the heathens. Lord, we pray. Lord, give them a genuine fear of the Lord. In the midst of the waves and clouds, and help them to have a single-hearted determination to lay hold of the unchanging Word of God. And by, by laying hold of the unchanging Word of God, the absolute trustworthiness of the Word of God, they shall have a faith that is unshakable. They shall have a walk with the living God which does not compromise. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.